The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. It's time for round two. That's right. The Phoenix Suns handle the Los Angeles Lakers in six games and move on to the conference semifinals for a matchup with the Denver Nuggets. Today, we'll talk about the game six in Los Angeles, give our final thoughts on the series, And then we're going to give you our four keys to beating the Denver Nuggets. Follow us on Twitter at SunnyandPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. Shout-outs are in order for our bet question from last week. Shout-out to Raul Munoz from Twitter. We were guessing Chris Paul assists in Game 6 against the Lakers. Raul said 10. So shout out to you, Raul Munoz. Between the two of us, though, you also said 10, and I said 11. Chris Paul had 12. So that puts me up 2-1 in the, the bet question series here with a lot on the line. That is true. Maybe a little too much. I'm already picturing drinking one too many Keystones or Natty Ices or whatever the future holds for me. Yeah, I still don't know. We'll have to see how much I win by. That might <laughs> well, determine. Well, that, that'll determine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, but I got to come back. <laughs> I got to come back. We'll see. Shout out to Raul, though. Good job getting that. And for our bet questions, uh, you can answer them on Twitter at SunnyandPHXPod for a chance to get a shout out on the next show. All right. Game six in Los Angeles. The Suns take it 113 to 100 to seal the series. That was that was just a really fun one to watch, especially the first half where the Suns, the first quarter, especially a 36 to 14 start in the game. And that that's just the doing that really takes the edge off being a fan watching the rest of that game. Yeah, I mean, they scored 14 points in the first quarter. Devin Booker outscored them in the first quarter himself. Yes, like significantly. This was literally a dream come true. Yeah, it was. And we got to thank Devin Booker for that. And especially game five and game six, seeing him come out, hit big shots from downtown, really just doing it all for us and getting us started. We're off to the right foot. And then just keeping the gas down for the rest of the game. And this might be the series where we can say this is where Devin Booker's superstardom has started. And that It was put on full display against Los Angeles, finally on national TV in the playoffs. I mean, we've been waiting for this, and we know Devin's been waiting for this, and he, he showed out. Yeah, he's finally getting the respect he deserves. And, of course, we see all the tweets surfacing from... 
the expert analysts saying Devin Booker is an empty calorie scorer and all of that. So that's been kind of fun to to see that stuff. Uh, now that Booker is, you know, now that other people know what we know about Devin Booker. So that, yeah, it was great. And to see him hit eight threes, eight for 10, which is awesome. But after never bre- being able to break the seal of that seven three point mark, now he's got eight. So that's awesome. Oh yeah. Ends the game with 47 points. 15 for 22 from the floor, 8 for 10 from downtown, 9 for 9 from the line. And then he goes and gets 11 rebounds, too, in a game where Aiton only has three, and no one else was really picking up the slack there. But Book was uh, determined to win this one, and seeing him get double-digit rebounds, pretty rare. But against the big L.A. team to seal the series, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, Booker was... He was ready to win this game. He wasn't messing around. He was built for this. This is what he has been wanting his entire life, and I don't think he's really surprised to be in this position. I don't think so either, and it's interesting to look back where he struggled a touch in games three and four uh, and seeing some of the things that fans were crying for, saying that Devin Booker's not ready He's not ready to lead a team through the playoffs. And, I mean, yeah, we can uh, we can see a, a down game or two every once in a while from Booker, but knowing that these games like this are possible, like this one and in Game 5, we just have to lean into it and know that this, this dude's special. Yeah, he is. And just really did it all. Have to love everything Booker's doing. And he's happy. You know he's happy. Oh, totally. I mean, we were questioning that a year or two ago, or even before the season started, before the Chris Paul trade happened. What are we going to do to keep Devin Booker happy? And this is the answer right here. It's winning games. It's beating the Lakers in the first round, moving on to the next one. And let's talk a little bit more about the game, though. Aside from Booker, no one really did a ton. Jay Crowder did step up for sure. He had six threes. That's all he did from the floor, but 18 points and the great defense on LeBron throughout the entire series. Just got to shout out Jay. But if not for Booker in this one, this would have been a pretty different game. 47 points really, really carried us through. Yeah. I also think, though, like Aiton only had eight points on three for four shooting. If Booker wasn't so hot, we would have gotten the ball to Aiton a lot more. And I love that Aiton only had eight points in 31 minutes, which is a lot less than he had been playing. Because since Booker went off, we were able to rest Aiton a little bit more. And Chris Paul only had 28 minutes. And he, I would say he didn't look 100%, but pretty close. I mean, he still looked good and he hit big shots when he needed to. But because Booker went off so much, we were able to rest him a little bit more than we normally would have. Very true. And D-Book plays 45 minutes and 59 seconds in this game, so he sat out for two minutes and one second of this one. (laughs) And the craziest thing, though, 22 shots to get those 47 points. That is so efficient. Yes, super impressive. Yeah, I mean, he was hitting everything. And... I want to give a shout-out, though, to Cam Johnson. 
I bet if Booker didn't go off so much, this would have been a huge game for Cam. He had 10 points on two for three shooting, along with four rebounds and was plus 18. I mean, that's plus 18. That's He led the team in plus minus. And this was all in 20 minutes. That's really solid. That's a great couple stretches out of Cam in this game for sure. And watching him not always settle for that three-pointer and try to get to the rim, I love seeing that. Four for four from the line in this one. Love yes. seeing him take it strong. That's that's another dimension. That's something that not a lot of us are expecting to see. But if we can get to see that a little bit more consistently in these minutes off the bench, I, looking in the future, I mean, the Nugget, he could give the Nuggets a lot of problems. So big shout out to him coming Coming back strong after a slow start to the series. Yeah. Him, Jay Crowder, Mikhail. I mean, Mikhail still hasn't caught fire. And spoiler alert for later, I think he will against the Nuggets. So um, I think we're in good shape. Okay, we, we talked about the game. But let's talk about the game within the game. Yes. And all, all the petty, goofy stuff that we got to experience and just relish man uh, towards the end of the game we see uh we, we have it sealed up and then we get to see jay crowder and deandre ayton not a lot of people caught the ayton one but they were both salsa dancing mocking lebron's uh new commercial and this is the kind of petty that i really 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 <laughs> like i mean th- this isn't anything violent it's not i I mean, maybe the technical was called for taunting, but I mean, if that's going to be a taunt, that's about the uh, the least offensive one that you could possibly do is right, do something like right. that. And then we got Chris Paul doing the lean back where, you know, on that same court in the same exact position in game three, the whole Lakers bench going goofy over there while LeBron backs down Crowder, LeBron smiling and all that. And just shoving it back in their face right there. I mean, the rivalry between the Suns and Lakers is real, especially for us Suns fans. And now maybe all these new Lakers fans are getting a little taste of what uh, we've been feeling this whole time. So I'm excited for the future of this. No matter what in the world the Lakers try to pull off this offseason, who knows? But this little rivalry we got going, I'm ready for it next year again already. Oh, yeah. I think the the rivalry has been renewed entirely. I think it all started with that dunk. Booker, I mean, we had the game by 11 or 13 or whatever it was, and we could have just taken a shot clock violation and given them one more possession, but Booker decided to dunk, which was sweet, and I loved that. Um I don't know. Normally I might not have, but in this situation, I loved it. And then we see all the salsa dancing and then Jay Crowder gets ejected and just sprints back to the locker room. Mm -hmm. Doesn't even say anything. Mm -hmm. It was like, (laughs) Oh, it was just so cathartic. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't regret Booker's dunk by any means in that one, especially in a game where we see the, what people like to call the greatest of all time, absolutely give up in this game, not get it back on defense for a couple possessions, 
and just you you could see it on his face. He knew it was over and he he threw in the towel. So when they when we see them do that numerous times in a game and they're not back on defense again, yeah, slam it home. Let them know. I mean, it's an embarrassment for a basketball fan watching this guy that so many people look up to. Just absolutely give up in the yeah. playoffs. It's pathetic. Not even try. Yeah, after going back to the locker room five minutes early, the the game before, oh, it was great. And I mean, this I think this certainly cements Michael Jordan as the best player of all time. Like, I don't know that LeBron can come back from this because he does stuff like this a lot. He's had these antics, but I've never seen anything quite this bad from him. No, and I mean, we're not, we haven't even mentioned the couple cheap shots that we saw him throw in these games. I mean, after the big fuss over the D-book Schroeder shove, which still probably shouldn't happen, but seeing LeBron do that exact same thing, pushing Aiton in the back while he's fully stretched out for a rebound, lowering his shoulder into Aiton on a BS, trying to get through the lane. I don't even know what his excuse would have been for that, but obviously it was a no call. We saw so many things like that. I don't know how many people can have the the amount of respect they had for him before the series now coming out of the series because right. he gave up. Well, and I've even seen some people say I've loved LeBron for a long time, but watching him play like this changed that. And yeah. I believe it. I mean, I could see that happening if, you know, Booker started giving up on a lot of plays. I mean, I can't even imagine this cause that's not what he does, but like, you know, every time he goes down, freaking out and, you know, causing a scene and just all of LeBron's antics, you know, I could see losing respect for a player that I really love. And I don't blame a lot of these Lakers fans for being upset about that, you know. Yeah, that's that's tough to watch. No one wants to see that happen with a guy on their team and especially one of the ones that, you know, you think you can lean on in times like that. But nope. On his way back to the locker room, uh, not shaking hands with anybody. I noticed that. And maybe that his too. PR team says, hey, LeBron, that looked really bad. Go take a picture with Booker. <laughs> I think that may have been what happened. But Do yeah, you whatever. Think so? Who knows? Who knows yeah. what happens back there after the game? We don't know. Right, right. I'm, I Overall, I'm just thrilled with this series, though. I mean, this is everything we could have asked for. Great storyline couple great games at the end fought through a little adversity i mean we're getting playoff tested i think it's good that we started with a six game series and got more of that experience and we're going to be able to use that moving forward remembering okay just because you win game one doesn't mean you can relax look what happened in game uh you know two and three against the lakers um i think we learned a lot from this series i think we're getting healthier. Uh, I think we saw that we can beat a good team not at 100%. You know, Chris Paul wasn't 100%. No, they definitely weren't 100% either. But, I mean, everyone says this. Every single team is dealing with injuries right now or being hurt to some extent. You know, it's not just them. It's not just us. It's everyone. And, yeah, I mean, we showed that we can fight through that. And we don't need Chris Paul to play 35 minutes and you know score 20 points we can still win games against good teams 
And as much as that is a shout out to uh, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, I think that should go to campaign too. Yeah. Because, yes. you know, if Chris isn't 100%, we've seen campaign come in and play great ball 100% of the time he's on the court. Yeah, he had a game or two where he was off with the jumper, but he's still hustling. He's still playing tough defense. He's making things happen. So, I mean, yeah, it's great. I mean, as much as I would have loved to see us sweep the Lakers in a four-game series and be done with it, this is, like you said, such a good taste for everybody. This was, uh, you know, going into the game, people said this is the worst or the best seven seed of all time in the Lakers. (laughs) And we went through that. And now, as Lakers fans like to say, this was our championship. No. We enjoyed it. We loved it. We're happy to do it again next year. But we're on to the next one in the Denver Nuggets. Let's let's talk about the Denver Nuggets and our four keys to beat the Nuggets. Number one, it's pretty obvious here. And it's slow down Nikola Jokic. I mean, there's, there's no way around it. This guy is an MVP. He's playing great basketball. Here in the playoffs, he's even playing great ball. He's he's shooting 50-40-90 as a center, a seven-foot yeah. center. And that's not one or two threes a game. I mean, he's he can really do it all. And this is uh, where we obviously look at DeAndre Ayton once again. We got to see the first series, the matchups with AD before he got banged up, and then what he could do against guys like Drummond and uh, Gasol and Harrell a little bit too. But... Obviously, this is the biggest test now. This is a healthy Jokic, the the main man on their team. Everything's going to be running through them. So, number one, we got to slow this guy down. Yeah, Jokic is amazing. He's a great, great, great player. We've seen Aiton play pretty well against Jokic in the past. I think foul trouble is going to be the number one concern. I mean, we saw this with Nurkic. Uh, in just the game six, um, Blazers Nuggets, Nurkic got three fouls called on him in the course of maybe five minutes real time. Just boom, 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 three fouls. And that same thing could happen to Aiton. Now, Aiton did a good job. He, he had some foul trouble. I think it was game one even. But he was able to stay on the court, never fouled out. I don't think he ever even got to five fouls. Or maybe one time, but um, I don't think he did overall. So Aiden's been smarter. He's been better about this, but Jokic is a different beast. Jokic is very different than Anthony Davis. Jokic is smart. He's going to know how to draw those fouls. He's tricky. He's one of those guys that will be shooting and you don't even realize he's shooting because he's got both feet flat on the ground. You know, he... He will draw those fouls, and he's going to – he's watching how good Aiton has been playing, and he's going to be trying to draw those fouls. So Aiton's going to have to play extra smart. Right, and Jokic has even commented on Aiton and how he's a tough matchup for him. And they're kind of opposites when it comes to big men. Uh, Jokic is burly, slow pace, and all that, and then Aiton's just the exact opposite. He's, He's smooth, he's quick, he's fast, he's strong. So it's a, it's maybe one of the tougher matchups that Jokic has aside from Gobert maybe, but I, I think that that really is in our favor in seeing the matchups this year. Even uh, Aiton outplayed Jokic in those games once he got in foul trouble, like you mentioned. But yeah, all in all, have to be pretty pretty optimistic of this matchup 
with this all being said. Yeah, and I kind of have two trains of thought on on Aiton here, on offense at least. So number one, I think it's possible that we might try to run a lot of offense through Aiton. Uh, Jokic is not a bad defender, but with how well Aiton has been playing on offense, maybe just trying to bully him a little bit, uh, tire him out um, by trying to play a little bit faster, focus on transition, getting Aiton the ball on a lot of pick and roll opportunities. I think that's one way to go. The other way we could go is, all right, Aiton, you're going to focus on defense on Jokic this series, and that's going to be your main thing. Might not score as much, might not touch the ball as much, especially we'll get to this in a second here, but with the guard play that we're looking at, we might just say, hey, really focus on defense and rebounding, and then, I mean, that's just what we're going to have to do. Those are kind of the two trains of thought that I'm looking at here. Here's one of my thoughts of uh, I'd like to see Aiton get involved in the pick and roll a lot. I mean, we've been seeing that, obviously, with both CP3 and Book. I think that needs to keep up. And one thing that we could do, if it's working, that could really uh, mess with how the Nuggets are going to try to defend the pick and roll, is if we can get Aiton to pop to that, that short elbow jumper. Yeah. I, I don't love Aiton shooting that shot a lot. I'll be 100% honest. I'd rather see him do his work within three feet of the rim. But if we can just uh, not allow Jokic to completely move over to Paul or Booker and just have Aiton be able to pop out a little bit, I'd like to see that option. And, you know, he doesn't even have to fire it. But if the role, if Aiton, if uh, Jokic is defending the role pretty well, I'd like to see that happen once or twice. We, we saw Aiden put the ball on the court, get to the rim, finish with an insanely beautiful <laughs> reverse layup. Yeah, that was wild. I'm not expecting that every time, but, I mean, we need to make Jokic move. That's that's my main point here is he, he can't be clogging up the lane and uh, moseying back on defense. Aiden's got to be outworking him no matter what 40 yeah. minutes a game. Right, right. And, you know, Monty Williams is going to see what's happening and make adjustments. You know, if we yep. see that, you know, yeah, it's just not it's not happening on offense. Just say, yeah, Aiton, just focus on defense and rebounding. And if everything's going well there, it might say, OK, let's get Aiton a few more touches. You know, we'll we'll just have to see what happens. And from game to game, it will pro- probably be different just based on what's happening. All right, my last point about slowing down Jokic is not on the scoring end 100% necessarily, but when they're forcing him the ball down low, he's such a great passer out of there. And not just from there, everywhere on the court. The dude is a great passer. So our defensive rotations need to be top-notch. If we're going to be helping out Aiton at all when Jokic is looking to score, our, our rotations need to be perfect or they're going to burn us from three. They're shooting over 40% from downtown in the playoffs so far, and that is something I'm totally worried about because, I mean, if you look back and think about some of the plays where there's obviously, it's an obvious help situation. Someone's got to be coming over. I, I can clearly remember so many times Crowder and Bridges dropping down while they're cutting to the rim and picking off a pass. Like, we, we're going to have to see that sort of rotation every single game because if you're if we're going to double Jokic 
the rest of the team can make us pay. They're shooting the ball great. That's true. And I think our rotations against the Lakers were solid. We went to that zone quite a bit. Potentially we could see some more of that as a, a remedy to this. I mean, I like our defense. And I think Mikhail Bridges is really going to get a chance to shine because he's not going to be guarding LeBron or, you know, getting switched on to Anthony Davis or anything like that. Right. Like, this is this is going to be such a better matchup for, for Mikhail. I think so, too. And just all around, the Nuggets are a pretty big team, too. But uh, some switchable matchups are going to be happening. Aside from we don't want to get anyone stuck on Jokic very often. No, Aiden will no. have to be doing that. But aside from that, I think we could get away with quite a bit. Gordon may be able to take advantage of, uh, you know, if he gets Chris Paul on him. And same with yeah. MPJ. But, uh, like, Crowder and Bridges can switch literally anything all game. And yeah, I'd even throw Booker in there, too. Booker's been playing solid defense. He has guys. been. Yeah, he actually has been. You're right. Well, and I think this kind of goes right into our next point of looking at these guard matchups. So we win this section of the, the comparison by a landslide. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, campaign. Uh, if we're running Mikhail at the two or anything like that, which probably not going to see much of that. But all those guys versus Composo. Monte Morris, Austin Rivers. I like our chances here. So we got to take advantage of this, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I do not want to call any of those guys on the Nuggets slouches at all either. Like Morris has been playing great. Campazzo in his first year in the NBA, he's a vet overall, but, I mean, he's fitting in pretty well. And then Austin Rivers has had a decent game or two here in these playoffs, and, you know, the guy's in the NBA for a reason. He's a big guard, and he can do a little bit of everything. So not a slouch at all, but we got a Hall of Famer, Chris Paul, a guy who we like to think will be in the Hall of Fame, Devin Booker, and then campaign coming off the bench who's been great for us this entire year, really. So I really do like these matchups, but a lot of this hinges on Chris Paul's shoulder. Yeah. It's still questionable, and I... I'd love to know what percent he's feeling right now and heading into this game, but I think that's going to be a big factor. He was four for 12 uh, from the floor against the Lakers in game six. He took a couple threes. One of them looked really bad. A couple of them were just a little bit off, but yeah, it, I mean, it seemed to be improving and then he kind of bumped it again and, Game six looked okay. So we're getting this extra day off. I still don't really know why we didn't start playing on Sunday. I mean, I know our Clippers-Mavs game seven was Sunday. Uh, We didn't know that was going to occur necessarily when this was scheduled, though, for for Monday. Uh, I'm wondering if hockey has anything to do with it because the Avalanche are playing but they're playing in Las Vegas or no, I think they're back in Colorado, but it wouldn't matter either way because game one will be here. Maybe it's a TV kind of thing. I'm just not quite sure why we didn't start playing Sunday and why we're playing game one Monday. Yeah, that, that is interesting. And 
Game one's going to be at 7 o'clock. Game two is going to be at 6.30. Maybe that is just for TV purposes is yeah. why. Yeah. But Hockey is it, a good point, though. It, it aids us, though, for sure, because it gives Chris Paul – it gives the whole team, but especially Chris Paul, an extra day of rest that I know I wasn't expecting the team to get. Right. Okay, so – Abuse the guard matchups. That's that's our number two. I, I feel pretty confident in that, especially we haven't mentioned this, but the Nuggets without Jamal Murray are an entirely different team than right. what we faced up right. against. So this uh, definitely leans in our favor because of that. And we saw what Jamal Murray did last year in the playoffs. He would be a huge factor in this game, and it'd be an entirely different series if that were the case. Oh, yeah. Also on the injury front, Will Barton was looking like he might make a return, but we just heard that he's for sure not playing game one. He's missed 20-some games in a row now. Not sure what's going to happen there, but he would be a difference maker for the Nuggets. Totally. Putting him on book would uh, probably be their best option, but you know, coming back from a hamstring and they're going to ease him into the series, who knows how that will quite go, but... A lot of uh, talk about Aaron Gordon ended up ending up guarding Booker in this one. And I, I think that's another spot where we can take advantage. Like our, our guards are going to be tough for them to match up with no matter who they throw out on us. So I'm, I'm liking it there. The guards yeah. should handle them. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting matchup too. Booker versus Gordon or Rivers or Compazzo or Morris, whoever they end up throwing on Booker. Uh, you know, Booker's got the speed on Gordon. He's got the, he's got the moves, um, rivers. I mean, just not a great defender. Uh, Monte Morris is kind of scrappy, but you know, Booker, I'm sure can take him Compazzo. Booker can for sure take him. So it will be interesting to see what they do. I'd expect to see a lot of double teams on Booker again. I think so, too. In the game six, when the Lakers started to make a run, they were double-teaming Booker. They were playing intense, full-pressure defense. And, you know, that can't last through an entire game like they tried to pull off in that game six. But, yeah, I mean, they'll have to be putting pressure on Booker and throwing a lot of double-teams if they want to keep him quiet in this one. And that's where everybody else has to step up. Like we saw in later games in the series, Jay got it going. Cam got it going. Mikhail got it going shooting. So we'll have to rely on that too. All right. Point number three, take advantage on the defensive end. The Nuggets just played a series against the Portland Trailblazers who do not play a lick of defense. So this is going to be a very different matchup for them. And we can rely on our defense pretty heavily. I mean, throughout the season, we proved that we're one of the better defensive teams in the league. Aiton has taken a huge step forward, being our defensive anchor, just doing it all there for us. And it just so happens that their best player is the center. Our best defender through the playoffs is the center. So I like how that matchup goes. And then elsewhere across the board, I like where we sit, too, with all the other matchups. Yeah, yeah, I think we really can just come out and just really play hard the blazers just that's not really their style on defense and um i think we especially need to focus on that perimeter defense 
like you said earlier, the Nuggets are shooting very well, 40% from three in the playoffs, which small sample size, six games against a team without a very good defense. Um, but that's still good. And we saw Michael Porter Jr. hit six threes and a quarter or whatever the other night, like Booker tied that record. So they can do that. But yeah, I, I like a lot of these matchups. Bridges will be able to shine probably guarding Porter Jr., uh, Crowder probably guarding Gordon. I like that matchup too. Um, Chris Paul, I mean, he's gonna, he's still playing great defense even when his shoulder was at its worst. So oh, yeah. he'll shut down whoever he ends up guarding. Booker on Rivers is interesting. Booker has been a better def- uh, defender, but Rivers can shoot. We know that. And like you said, he's a big guard. So uh, that will be an interesting matchup. I wonder, there may be some potential to switch Chris Paul onto Rivers. Um, but then when when it's backup time, campaign, for sure, going to guard Monte Morris or Compazzo, I would guess. So I like the way we match up on defense. I think we can play fast, force turnovers, score in transition, especially because that's not what Jokic wants to do. We were speeding up the pace a little bit against the Lakers, and that worked out well for us. So I think it's really going to be our wing defenders' time to shine in this series. Oh, yeah. And I heard a fun one about a McHale on MPJ matchup. Uh, Porter Jr. is four inches taller, but Bridges has a one-inch longer wingspan. Yeah, yeah. So that, that'll be a fun matchup. Uh, this is somewhere where Bridges can thrive, especially where, you know, like you said, MPJ had that huge first quarter, got real hot from downtown, and uh, I, I'm i happy that Bridges is the guy that we can put on him. I mean, otherwise, Bridges would probably be guarding Murray, and then we'd have to be tossing things around to uh, – match up otherwise so that's obviously really beneficial to us but never like having to go up against a hurt team in the playoffs like this either right right here's another one though do we see kaminsky or Sarich back in the lineup for a little more regular minutes in this yes play? i think so i think Sarich. i think we're gonna see some more Sarich. um <laughs> i like him guarding Jokic a lot more than guarding anthony davis I still don't think it's going to go very well for Sarich, but um, I think he spreads the floor and we'll be able to use that to our advantage when we're uh, trying to run Aiton in that pick and roll, trying to expose Jokic a little bit. Yeah, and they've been playing Millsap, you know, 12, 14 minutes a game or something like that. I could see uh, Sarich coming in and guarding him in those points, too. I could too. see that, yeah, definitely. That wouldn't be terrible either. So or I, or Kaminsky. Yeah, or Frank. And both of those guys do have a nice impact on the offense, and it's not always because of scoring. Frank had, you know, a few assists in the minutes that he got in this series, and Dario, Monty calls the connector of the team on offense, so... I think we are missing those two a little bit in in spot minutes. I, I like how our rotation became towards the end of the Lakers series, and I hope we lean into that a touch. But, you know, we got to keep these guys fresh through another series here. Yep, yep. And, I mean, yeah, anytime we can give Aiton a break is going to be nice just because he's going to have his hands full. Totally. All right, point number four. Start strong, win at home, take Full advantage of the home court advantage. We know how tough it is to play in Denver. 
and we know what it's like coming out of game one with a nice win. So what we're really hoping for is watching the Suns win both home games before having to head up to Denver, up in the mountains where guys get gassed a little bit more. And we've seen our guys play big minutes. Booker had, you know, 46 last game, averaged 41 on the series, eight and average 36 on the series. So it's going to mean a lot to get out to a hot start here. Yeah. Um, I think we saw exactly what the benefit of doing that is, though, against the Lakers. In Game 5 and Game 6, these games were over before halftime. And we can totally do that same thing. Um, At home, I'm pretty confident there. I mean, their home court uh, advantage is real. And they are open to full capacity for fans, too, in Denver. That's something that I noticed a little bit against the Lakers is they still weren't allowing full capacity. And I think there was a difference. But in Denver, they're going to be there. So they're going to be loud. That's something that we're not used to is the full full stadium when we're away. So, yeah, really just going to have to get off to a strong start in the series and each individual game. Definitely. And we can look back at the matchups during the regular season. Uh, they won the series two to one. And then look at all the overtime periods, three overtime periods. One went to double, one to single. And the entire series was a f- was determined by 15 points over three games. So it's got to be a hot start. We do not want to get into, into a slugfest with this team. And, you know, if we can avoid going to Denver for a game six, that would be huge. If we have to go to Denver for game six, no matter what, I'd be pretty nervous about the situation. Yeah, that hearing you say that is like, oh, you're totally right. Like, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is going to be good. And, I mean, no Jamal Murray. That injury is so unfortunate. Uh, But that's going to be the difference in this series. Totally. And, yes, that gives us quite the advantage, but man, a Devin Booker versus Jamal Murray series. How yeah. many points would those dudes be combining for every night going back and forth? That that would be fun. That would, would be, be a really lot of fun. exciting. Yeah, that would. Oh. Well, All right. Series predictions then. We we gave our keys to how to beat them. How do we think we're gonna beat them? I, I know we're both gonna be saying sons and something, but what's your what's your take here? I'm I'm going Suns and five. Um, I think we're gonna win the first two. Uh, probably gonna lose one in Denver. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd probably say game three, and then we'll come back here and win one, and that'll be it. Yeah, and this doesn't make for good podcast material, but I feel the exact same way. Um, but as, how about this? If we're going to sweep a series, this is the one we're going to sweep. <laughs> I agree. I just don't think I can say Suns and Four. <laughs> Suns and Four would be a pretty wild thing to say. That's very true. But, I mean, this isn't this isn't our bet question, so I don't feel so no, bad saying no. Suns and Five with you. Right. And, you know, hearing the the experts, hearing No Dunks and everyone like that talk about this series – a lot of people are saying Suns and seven, 
which I'm glad they're picking the Suns. The Suns are really earning a lot of that respect, but people are picking it to go seven games, which, I mean, as a fan, that's fun to watch, but man, I hope it doesn't go seven. I want that rest, especially as, you know, we just found out recently we're, if we win this series, we're going to be playing either the Clippers or the Jazz, and those are tough teams. So oh, yeah. any extra rest we can get will be helpful. All right, one more prediction. Outside of the big three, Booker, Paul, and Aiton, who has the biggest effect on this series? That's a great question. Hmm. I, I think this is Mikhail Bridges' time to step up. I'm going to say Mikhail. I like that. If if Mikhail keeps uh, Michael Porter Jr. under wraps and uh, shoots like he should shoot, if he plays anything like he did all regular season when it comes yeah. to offense, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'm going to switch it up, though, and I'm going to say campaign. Pain. I think it's going to be Payne who's going to be the man, especially with we don't know if Chris is 100%. And... The matchup, the the Monte Morris matchup, I think that's going to be something pretty big in this series. We saw Campaign have his way with Caruso in a in yeah. the bench guard duo in the last series, and I think Monte Morris is a step up from that. But it's one I feel confident about. So if Cam keeps that under locks and produces the way he has been on offense when Chris is off the court, I'm liking our chances there. Yeah. Another guy that I'm really going to keep an eye on is Jay Crowder, who was really cold at the beginning, really hot at the end of the Lakers series. And that's that's our bet question here. So we're looking at game two. Uh, Suns, Nuggets, game two. This is going to be Wednesday, June 9th. Shout out to my wife. That's her birthday. Um, we're going three-point makes from Jay Crowder. So how many three-pointers will Jay Crowder make in game two against the Nuggets? I'm going to go four, feeling four. him uh, staying, staying active from back there and uh, not going back into that giant hole he dug in early games of the Lakers series. I feel like he's uh, coming off his victory over LeBron James and the Lakers. I think Jay Crowder is going to be locked in through the rest here. All right, all right. I'm going to say three because if Mikael Bridges is actually stepping up, he'll be shooting more. And making more, hopefully. Um, Jay Crowder made six in game six against the Lakers, which is <laughs> pretty impressive. But I think, I think I'm going to go three here. Three makes. I, I think he'll attempt less, too. I think that's why. Like, I don't think he's going to shoot poorly. He's not going to take as many shots. Fair. That's fair. All right. So let us know how many three-pointers you think Jay Crowder will make in game two on Twitter at Sunny and PHX pod. And whoever is closest will get a shout out on next week's show. And it may not even be next week. It might be in the middle of this week. We have to see what happens here. Cause the, the goal is to record every two episodes or so, but we have every to two games, every two games. That's right. Uh, have to keep in account our moods. So if we get blown out game two, we're not going to record. So <laughs> I'm sure you all can understand this. And with that, we will move to the non-sports section of the show. So uh, as I've mentioned before on the show, I am moving and it's fun. It's exciting, but 
you know, there have been some uh, growing pains a little bit, and I've had some klutzy moments recently. So non-sports question is, what is a recent klutzy moment that you've had? Okay, I had to double down on spills a couple days ago. Uh, You know, got a Starbucks one morning, got home, sat down at the counter with my wife. I was turned to the side, turned back, elbowed an entire iced Americano right onto the counter. Every single drop of it gone. Oh my gosh! I, I, it was unsalvageable. I mean, normally you can like pick it up, and there's maybe a quarter of the cup left. No, the, no, it was, it was bad. And then I spilt a cup of ranch dressing all over the table the same day. So, oh my gosh! I mean, and people who know me, this isn't, this isn't a out of line. I'm no, no, that's I'm kind of the king of spilling or spilling on myself. So I mean, <laughs> this was an easy go-to. I'm, I'm a spiller. Yeah. All right. So I've got a few, but I'm thinking of probably, probably the funniest one. That's kind of simple. So we have a counter that's really close to like our entry hallway. And right now there's just boxes that there's still stuff in them and they're open. So like the flaps are kind of coming out and I've clipped myself on that flap quite a few times. And these boxes are pretty heavy. So it's like turned me a little bit. And I'm like, and I kind of am surprised at first. I'm like, what, what was that? But yeah, I've, I've been clipped by some cardboard quite a few times. It'll be nice once you're all settled in there, Mitchell, for sure. Yeah. We're getting there. We are getting there slowly, but surely. Oh yeah. All right. That's going to wrap it up this week. Uh, an exciting conference semifinals against the Nuggets coming up. Like Mitch just said, we'll be trying to do an episode after every two games. So hopefully it's only two for the Nuggets series, but we'll see. We'll see what's up. Uh, at Sunny and PHX Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Check it out. And we will see you in the next episode. Go Suns. <laughs>